Hey everyone, this is Opposed on the Matrix. You got Dave here. It is um, a Wednesday night. It's 8 11 uh, 2021, and it is approximately 11.05 in the evening. <clears throat> My day has just begun, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we didn't have a show on Monday. Um, a lot of things came up, folks. Um, you know, I, I'm still getting over what I went through a few weeks ago. And uh, every once in a while, I just feel really, really, I don't know. It's, you know, it's not life-threatening or anything. I just feel um, not right. And I figure when I'm like that, I don't need to be getting on the air, okay? Um, last thing I need to do is be getting on the air because I might say something that I don't mean. Uh, I might, uh, you know, my mind might go in different directions that I don't want it to go in. <clears throat> and... Uh, Although, you know, it seems to do that all the time anyway. So anyway, um, I've been reading a lot of stuff that's been alarming. Um, well, first off, uh, <clears throat> one of the things that, uh, you know, I better go into the other two things before I forget them. Um, there's There's been more talk about there being a camp set up for people who will not be vaccinated. Uh, they will be doing it for our own good, supposedly, <clears throat> to protect us. Uh, no, thank you. Sorry. Uh, don't wear a prophylactic when you're not going to be having a need for one. That's <laughs> uh, silly, right? Yeah, but that's what they're doing. They want to they want to cause um, you and I, who will not get this stupid uh, death uh, jab, to they want to cause us to to take it or or uh, be put away. Oh well, <laughs> you know, um, what's 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 new? You know, with that, you know. It, I'm sure I had relatives in uh, Europe that uh, went through the same thing in the 1930s and 1940s in Germany and around surrounding area, you know. Um, this is not going to be focused totally against Jewish people, of course, uh, but against Christians, against uh, patriots, against anybody who has their eyes open and their ears open and can see and hear what this shot really is about and what they're trying to do with it. The lemmings are always going to take things like this and they're, you know, oh, government good, you know, patriot bad, government good. Uh, sorry, but that's bass backwards. Um, <clears throat> and I, I mentioned in a prior show that, um, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, it was uh, don't don't listen to government, don't respect government. And I was, you know, I was fine with that. I mean, I felt a little weird about it because, you know, in taking civics classes and stuff in high school, we were always told to, and even in elementary school, we were always told to uh, submit to authority. Uh, you know, but that kind of goes against the grain with me, it did anyway. And um, so, you know, but the same people that were yelling out, don't listen to government are the people that are running government now. And they're telling us they have, we have to listen to them. I was telling a story um, to somebody today. Um, actually, I was Brian and I had a little chat, and I was telling him some of the stuff I've done up here in Oregon. Um, if you like to agitate liberals, this is the place to be, um, especially Eugene or Portland. Uh, although I, you know, I've got to admit I don't go up to Portland. That's uh, that's like entering into a radio radioactive zone, you know. And Eugene's not much better, and they like when people say Eugene, so that's why I go Eugene. Um, anyway, uh, so we were talking and, uh, I was telling him <laughs> a couple of different stories and, uh, and this is kind of like the bass backwards thing with, uh, you know, listen to government, don't listen to government. 
Um, but, you know, when I was younger, and I can't remember exactly when it happened. When I was really young, all we had was paper bags. You went to the store and uh, you went shopping and they gave you, they gave you paper bags. And, I, you know, we were fine with that. And then uh, <clears throat> the tree huggers came on the scene. And then don't get me wrong, I, I like environmentalists because they have their place if they do it correctly. You know, they have their place in society and they have their cause. Um, I happen to know a lady that uh, her cause is uh, fighting for uh, the bees to survive. And, boy, I, I totally back that up. I mean, she's as liberal as they come. But at that part of her, I totally back up that she um, she's trying to do things to keep bees alive. Because if we lose bees, uh, you know, there's going to be starvation because they pollinate, you know, half of the things that we eat. And um, but, you know, I'll, I'll back up anybody if they have a common sense thing that they need backed up. But um, so anyway, uh, uh I was telling the story when we lived in Eugene. See, I, I moved up from California to get away from California because it was becoming much too liberal. Even in the Sacramento area, you know, it was starting to go down down the drain, you know. And uh, so anyway, I, I met my wife that I have now. Uh, you know, we weren't married yet, but I, I said, well, this you know, be a good chance. You know, I, <clears throat> I've, I met a wonderful woman and I'll marry her and become part of her family and she'll become part of mine and I'll get out of California. You know, there's, there was like a thousand pluses. You know, and there still are. <laughs> there really are. I mean, I got a, a wonderful wife, three wonderful, three wonderful stepdaughters, and uh, and sixteen grandkids that are all over the world. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, so I moved up here to get away from all that. When I moved to Eugene, it was just like moving into California on steroids. It's really bad, folks. It really is. And people that live there for a while can't see it. You know, even if they've moved from California and they've lived there for a while because they they came up when things were good. And then um, as they lived there, things began to sour. And it's kind of like the, the boiled frog syndrome. You know, you don't know you're being boiled to death until it's too late. Um, and that's what, you know, when liberalism comes into an area and it starts to encroach. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, I told them how I would go getting back to the paper bags. Um you know, how when we were kids, we had paper bags. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, we were told, oh, you can't have paper bags because they have to kill trees to get us paper bags. And that's true. You know, that's paper comes from uh, wood pulp and um, and stuff like that. <clears throat> but um, anyway, back when I was a kid, the forests in the United States were huge and humongous. And, and they still are to, to the most part, for the most part. Uh, and there's more trees in the United States contiguous United States now than there was when if the forefathers landed here. Um, that's because when people start uh, building cities and everything, they put trees in there for shade. And um, there's, there's tree, you know, tree and shaded areas in the Midwest that never had trees before in um, <clears throat> the deserts. And, you know, you, you pick your area, but um, so anyway, I was in this place and it um, it's called um, whole foods, I believe. Um, Oh, market of choice. I'm sorry. Market of choice. It's a thing up here in Oregon. I think Washington, um, California is Whole Foods, which is starting to move up here. So it's going to be fun to watch the uh, the two liberal organizations clash it out, so to speak. Uh, clash of the Titans, so to speak. <laughs> be kind of fun. But um, anyway, so I'm in line. And uh, and at this time, you know, this whole bag thing was going on. It was really bothering me because in Eugene, you had to pay for a bag or you could pull all your stuff in a uh, – in a basket and uh, and wheel it out to your car and then you know throw cans and everything else into your car 
And it was an inconvenience, but I was willing to do it because I wasn't going to kowtow to the to the leftist model, you know, of uh, paying for bags. Well, anyway, um, at that time, uh, you could get no, that's right, you couldn't get plastic bags because it just started. Uh, the Anita came down in, in Eugene and uh, Lane County that you couldn't get plastic bags anymore. Um, so I, I got online, and there was probably about five or six liberals behind me, and um, and the, the girl goes, "Oh, you, do you want to?" you want to buy a bag? And I go, no, I'm not buying into that communist propaganda and stuff like that. You know, she goes, Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, thank you. You just, you just gave me an audience. Uh, Cause I have to answer now. Right. I'm giving her an education. When you give somebody education, you can't not give them an education because the people in back of you are going to protest. And I, and she, she, um, okay. So I told her, I said, you know, when I was a kid, we had plastic bags, and then they realized that plastic bags came from trees, you know, and and they said you couldn't have – or excuse me, paper bag came from trees, and they said you couldn't have them anymore because we were killed too many trees, so they gave us plastic bags, um, you know, to protect the trees. Then later on, they realized that the plastic bags might be a problem. So uh, nowadays, you know, this was back then, I said, uh, nowadays we can't have plastic bags anymore. I said, but – the, the way this stupidness comes around, I said, we you can kill trees now as long as you pay five cents for a bag, you know. And she goes, boy, I really agree with you on that. I said, listen to me. I said, don't agree with me because there's people standing behind me that are going to turn you in for agreeing with me. So, you know, just, you know, you can even be disgusted with what I say, but still believe it, you know, put on the air of disgust. And uh, and she kind of kind of looked to her right, you know, the people behind me. I kind of winked at her and, you know, she just smiled. And, um, but you could feel the, the five or six people that were behind me were seething. They, and you got to realize that liberals, when they're by themselves, are cowards. They're cowards anyway, because they have to have groups in order to get things done. Um, very rarely will you find a liberal that's, that speaks out on his own anymore to, uh, to express his concerns because they know that uh, there's strength in numbers. Um, so there's no bravery in that camp. Well, anyway, they, these people were just seething and I just kind of smiled at the girl and piled all my stuff into the basket. Well, see, this became a big problem because especially in places like Walmart where you're, where you're shopping, um, you know, it, it was real easy because I've seen it. I saw it. I actually saw it. I saw people pretend like they went through a line and then walk right out the door with a whole basket full of food that they never paid for. Um, the bags are, are good, <clears throat> whether plastic or, or paper, um, because, you know, when you're walking out of the store, they see them in bags and they realize that, hey, the the um, the checker actually put those things in bags. So most probably those things are paid for. But without the bags, you know, see, can you imagine walking up to somebody in a market and saying, excuse me, I don't think you paid for that, you know, and, and have them get mad and all of a sudden produce a, a receipt? for all the items that are in there, you know, that, that's kind of difficult. Then that person goes out and says, Hey, don't go to Walmart anymore. Um, and you're busy, you lose business. So you, you keep your mouth shut and you let them walk out with this stuff. Well, um, anyway, so that's the, the stupidness of liberalism and following their rules and regulations. Well, later on, you know, they kind of got smart and, uh, <clears throat> You had to produce, they had somebody standing at the uh, door and you had to produce a receipt and they looked at your items, you know, but how much, how many millions of dollars were lost just in Oregon alone because of the stupidness, you know? Um, hey, 
There used to be a movie called Where Angels Go, Trouble Follows. How about Where Liberals Go, Stupidness Follows? Okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm getting really militant <laughs> in my old age. It's because I've lived a long time and I've seen a lot of things, you know. Um, anyway, with all this stuff that's – we got – see, we're, we've been through 2020 and we're halfway through 2020, more than halfway through 2021. And the summer is almost over. It will be over on the 20th of September. And that's, uh, oh, what, a month and 10 days away, right out there. And uh, when the fall comes, we're going to start hearing all this stuff now. Already in, in Oregon, they're like, oh, we got to start wearing masks in public places again. <laughs> and everybody's kind of going to be doing that. You know, <laughs> it's like we're not going to do that anymore, especially in my county. My county's very uh, um, uh, agrarian um, in nature, you know, farmers and stuff like that. And, you know, people that get fresh air all the time and they're outside. And so they have brain cells and stuff and um, and they and they think and they see what's going on, you know. So anyway, um, so, yeah, so this new edict has come down now that the governor is, I should say, the Oberfuhrer Brown is uh, considering quite seriously um, placing a mass edict again on us this, uh, this well, soon. Um you know, always look to the fall when it comes to stuff like sickness, because, you know, the flu always comes around in the fall and goes through the winter. And they're, they're using that same model for COVID-19. Um, so that being the case, as it has for many, many years with the flu um, shots and stuff, um, COVID-19 is no different. As a matter of fact, if you notice, there was no flu last year. Um, I didn't hear to hear about, Hey, you need to get your flu shot. You know, I was still working at that time. You need to get your flu shot, you know, and I always turned it down anyway. And, and I'd have to wear a mask if anybody, you know, came in, um, or manifested the flu. So, or if it became, um, uh, a pan, a, not a pandemic. See, they got that word in your psyche so much now that you start using it all the time. If you had an epidemic in the, uh, in the hospital or something. So anyway, so we're, we're talking about this stuff and this pandemic and stuff. And um, so they're, uh, they're planning on uh, clamping down again, so to speak. And now, of course, they've got this new variant, the Delta variant, which is not so new anymore. And then they got another one out now that's supposed to be even worse than the Delta. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's like watching a bad program on TV. You ever watch a program on TV and they have bad acting in it? I mean, it's just stupid acting. And, you know, you swear I'll never watch that again. Well, yeah, it's nice on TV. You can do that. You can't do it in real life. Um, so uh, there's a lot of people that are calling for a um, calling for people to resist this madness, uh, to resist this this garbage. And, uh, and it's, it's high time that that happened. You know, it really is. Uh, now, there, there are two modes that I can think of here. Um, there's civil disobedience, okay, which is basically not, not following the rules. It's not going out and burning cars and burning up businesses. That's 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 dislawful. Um, civil disobedience is not dislawful. Um, it's just not agreeing with what they want you to do and, and not adhering to it, Okay. 
that means, in this case, it means going to the store without a mask. It means, um, you know, in the, store, in the store, when you walk in there, if they ask you to put a mask on, you say, no, I'm sorry, I'll go to another store. You know, you treat people with respect with uh, civil disobedience because you're not really rebelling against people. You're rebelling against stupid laws and, and, um, and, tyrant, and tyranny. Tyranny. Uh, anyway, so I, I see it coming down the road and it's starting to manifest even more. I mean, over in Europe, my goodness, it's manifesting like crazy. There's people taken out on the streets, they taken out to the streets. And uh, they're rebelling and uh, they're being arrested and thrown in jail and everything else. Now, that's civil disobedience. Uh, and, you know, they're not breaking windows or burning anything. They're just walking down the streets with signs and saying, hey, I'm not going to do this or this is stupid. I'm not going to do it or, you know, don't violate my rights. And um, one of the things that, that happened, and maybe it was planned, but I think this kind of backfired on the, on the New World Order when this country was established back in uh, the late 1700s. Um, you know, there was uh, the call for liberty and uh, freedom and uh, justice and, and things like that, things that had really ne never been around uh, together in a society. You might have had one or at a time or something like that. And uh, that's even even calling it. Uh, in other words, it didn't happen very often. Um, so. Civil disobedience uh, was basically written into the American Charter, even though, you know, it does say that, you know, that we can peacefully assemble. And that's basically um, a nice way of saying, you know, we, we can disagree with the laws and, and protest, and which is civil disobedience. Um, anyway, I'm sorry, it's kind of late and I'm losing my thought of uh, that the neurons uh, need coffee. And I've been coffee in several weeks um, trying to get off of that stuff. So anyway, um, so we have people in Europe that are really starting to get into dis, uh, civil disobedience. And, um, and the United States, see, I don't understand this. And I think it, it's because we've become lazy and complacent. Um, we tend to think that since government has protected our rights to a certain degree, at least through about the 1960s, um, and I say to some degree, I'm not saying totally, uh, I think that with that with that foundation, that people have grown lax and uh, trusting of the government, and and we can trust the government in in some aspects, you know, but not in all of them because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, which we've been has been drummed into our head, or at least my generation for for many years. We first heard that in high school, or maybe even grade school, um, if you went to where I went, you know. <laughs> Um, I went to school in New Jersey, um, probably, uh, yeah, right until my uh, my freshman year. And then when I came out here for my last three years of high school, and I, yeah, New California, not here. Um, but it was drummed into us uh, back there. You know, back then, New Jersey was a much more conservative state. And uh, we were taught the basics of uh, American government um, history, American history. And things like that. Matter of fact, when I moved to California, I realized that we were the the curriculum they were teaching was taught to me uh, about two to three years before, and uh, that kind of led to my demise because I got lax and and uh, and careless and uh, started slipping in my grades. Uh, that was one of the reasons. Uh, anyway, 
So I think we, this country, we've become complacent because, you know, we, first of all, we learned, to, we learned wrongfully to trust government. Well, we, back when we were always taught to trust them as long as they were lawful. Okay. Uh, but then it turned, turned a little, little by little, it turned and it was okay. You can trust them in this and this and this and this and this, not learning the lessons from Vietnam and other things, you know, about trusting government. Um, people just didn't, it's like they didn't want to think anymore. You know, uh, you know, we lived through the, you know, if you're older than me, you lived through world war two, then you were lived through Korea. Then you were living through the cold war. Uh, the threat of nuclear bombs maybe coming over your head and falling on your city anytime. Um, you know, and after a while, you know, you, you come to a point where you're tired of worrying and you just want to relax. And I think that's probably the situation where it was in, in the United States. And that's kind of evolved into a, a national uh, laziness um, when it comes to doing things. So when I see people in Europe who have lived under less freedom than we have and under a lot of tyranny, you know, over the last 200 years, when I see them out on the streets protesting, I'm like, OK, that's what we're supposed to be doing. How come they're doing it and we're not? And again, the answer is, you know, hey, you know, the government, this government is very smart in the United States because they let you remain just as just free enough to where you, you feel the freedom. But they also give you stuff to give you stuff to uh, make you feel free. Um, for instance, you know, oh, we're going to have tax cuts. Oh, that's great. That makes me feel more free. Well, in the first place, we shouldn't have taxes to begin with. So what they do is they, it's kind of like, uh, what is it, warf, uh, rat poison. Uh, and I know that to be warfarin uh, because uh, that's where warfarin comes from. It was originally a, a rat poison, and they realized that it coagulated the blood. So they, they learned how to use it to to give it to humans in, in small doses to um thin the blood so that, uh, you know, there, people wouldn't get heart attacks and strokes and stuff like that. So, um, but rat poison is like 99.5% good food with, um, 5.5% of poison in it. And what the rat does, it's, it's eats the food thinking it's getting good food because it's tasty and everything. But what's happening is it's loading up with warfarin and it ends up bleeding out from inside. And uh, if you've ever seen a rat after it's eaten rat poison and it's almost all the way gone, it's pretty nasty. Um, and putting them out of their misery is, is a humane, humane thing to do, even though they're gross and uh, filthy creatures. But um, anyway, um, so, yeah, uh, so the government gives us just enough to just enough to, for the food to taste good without us realizing that we're cutting our own throats by eating it, so to speak. And um, that's dangerous. <clears throat> dad, my dad always used to say the, when the government is government, and this is a Barry Goldwork quote, and I don't know where he got it from, <clears throat> but when the government is um, powerful enough to give you everything you want, it's strong enough to take away everything that you have. Now that might be a little bit of a, a bastardization of the, the phrase, but uh that kind of gives the idea of what Goldwater was saying and what my dad used to reiterate all the time. <clears throat> I had the, the, the blessing of growing up with a dad um, who was very, 
he was very rough. He was a very rough man. He stood only about five foot six, but he was Italian and he wasn't going to let anybody push him around. And I've seen people that were six two cower to him. <laughs> and I understand that because I cowered to him too. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, he, uh, but on, on another hand, what he did is he was very <clears throat> good when it came to justice and the call for justice and civil disobedience and what, what the government could get away with and what they're getting away with and they shouldn't be getting away with. And, Man, I got such an education from him. I'm so thankful that I was his son and that he was my father. You know, of course, you know, like every parent, they have their problems, you know. And I like to say that my dad did the best he did with what he had, you know. He had PTSD from being in Korea, and it affected him the rest of his life. Um, unfortunately for him and for us and my mother, <laughs> um, you know, it, it made it rough, Um yeah, until my mom said, you know, I've had enough of this and got out of the marriage. But anyway, I, I, I speak too much. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, so he was, you know, very, very instrumental. Um, but he was he was so honest about things and so blunt that he would sometimes turn people off. I remember one time he uh, he walked up to my sister and said, you know, your kids aren't your own. They belong to the government. Well, you don't tell a young mother something like that without kind of laying out the you know casting the seeds out before you <laughs> before you or tell some telling somebody you're going to cast the seeds out before you do it and it led to a lot of problems she wouldn't, wouldn't speak to him for years you know and uh he was right you know society was back even back then um back in the 1980s was turning against parents and um turning parents uh into or vilifying parents and basically setting it up to where the government could come take it away, take kids away. And that's why you can't hit your kids these days. You can't spank them on the butt, you know, just give them a little tap on the rear end, kind of um, administer a little bit of uh, correction because the kid now can call up social services and you could be thrown in jail. And uh, it's happened a lot. Uh, so, Okay, civil disobedience. Uh, and the churches, uh, I've been a, a believer in Jesus, uh, a Messianic believer in Jesus since 1979, July 21st, 1979. Um, so I'm, what, 42 years a believer in Yeshua. And I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> I really have. I've seen a lot of things go down. And one of the problems that I have with the organized church, and I'm talking about not just any one church, but a lot of churches, I should say, they teach that, and we're going we're gonna to go into this in a few minutes, but they teach that because of one scripture that says we're supposed to be um, subser or servient, uh, you'll see when I, we, we study it, to the government that we can't question what the government does and that doing so you're basically not a good believer in Yeshua. Um, so, you know, that's, there's a catch 22 there, excuse me. Um, I have a little itch there. There's a catch 22 there where you, you know that you have to stick up for your, your family and, and your rights and, but you're not, according to them, you're not supposed to question what government does. And, you know, I, I go back to a lot of Christians right off the Old Testament. 
But what Chuck Missler say, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. You can't have one without the other. One is a foreshadowing and that's still valid today. And one, one is a revealing. Okay. So you look back in the Old Testament or what uh, we call the Tanakh in uh, Jewish um, is that Matter of fact, one of the reasons Israel went into exile, one, one of the big ones was that they didn't observe the Sabbath for 400 years. But uh, another reason is that they didn't take up the cause of the um, of the widow and the orphan and the foreigner that was with them. Uh, widows, God, Yahweh was very um, adamant in, in the law that, hey, you take care of the widows and the orphans and the um the Aaronites, the priests, and uh, the Levites, because they didn't. The Levites didn't have any um, inheritance in the land. All the other tribes got land; they could plant gardens or farm the land. Um, you know, they, they could really produce off the land, not just farming, but other things. You know, and but the the Levites didn't get that. The priests and the Levites, so their inheritance was the priesthood, and they were supposed to be taken care of and that was the tithe and the tithe is not applicable in the new testament period okay up until today although churches would love to have you believe it is um the thing is that it was for the priests and the levites and you know a lot of churches well you know you got to take care of the the priests and but paul was very clear in one of his writings that uh you and me every one of you out there me that we're all priests and kings, okay? So it's kind of redundant to tithes. So you could take care of yourself, okay? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of pastors and stuff like that, because there are men that, that get out there and they, you know, they spent their whole, they literally spend their whole week preparing a sermon, um, counseling people. And boy, the church is such a mess that they should have counselors, thousands of counselors <laughs> um, and they should address issues when they see them too, not just wait for the people to come in. But um, so there's a lot, a lot of problems in the church that need to be addressed. So, you know, the pastors do that. They, uh, they're administrators many times. Uh, they're business, uh, not businessmen, but they take care of the, the financial parts of this, the, the, uh, the church in many cases, not all cases. Um, uh, so, you know, some of them are, are hard workers. Frankly, I think that if a church has or a pastor has a, a large staff, that they should probably be out working, too, um, if, if they have enough time to do that. OK, I, I don't want to draw a line here and make it a, a solid line. It's going to be a little OK, little dotted line because there could be things that fall through that, that need to fall through. Um, so, boy, I really got off on that tangent, didn't I? But the, the priests and the Levites, they, they didn't have any sustenance. So uh, the people of Israel were supposed to do it. That's what the tithe was. Um, and the tithe wasn't just for that. It was always it was also support the widows, the orphans, and the, and the foreigner that was with them. Um, but they didn't do that for a number of years. And so they went into exile. And Israel was totally disbanded and sent to the four winds, basically, uh, the, the other ten tribes, that is. The, the tribes that const constituated um the northern tribes of Israel. Um, so, 
that was that was one reason. So, uh, how do you take care of the indigent and the, and the widow? Well, it just didn't mean feeding them; it meant taking care of them when uh, injustice came against them. Uh, we always see the oh, well, you probably don't anymore, but there used to be a lot of movies on um, back in the '30s and '40s, and we got to watch them in the '60s and about a, an old uh, farmer woman that, you know, she lost her husband and the sons were out working on the field and um, they didn't quite have a good crop that year. And the bank was going to come and take the, the farm away from the lady and stuff like that. And, um, and then, but somebody would champion her, you know, somehow get the money to pay off the mortgage in, in these stories, you know, and it, a lot of them were fiction, but they were, they were there to provide a moral, a moral and value for people to follow. That's what's wrong with today's society. Nobody's given any of those. And the church is blamed for a lot of that, too. But anyway, um, so we, we see it in the movies happening, you know, to the farmer women. We, uh, we were told that Israel was supposed to do it. And they didn't. Um, but that when the person would go and pay the mortgage, he was championing for championing for championing. <laughs> he was fighting for. <laughs> how's that sound? Um, for the for the farm the old farm woman you know who owned the farm, and that's what Israel was supposed to be doing all those years and, and never did it. Well, after the dispersion, not dispersion, but after the um, they went to ba- Judah went to Babylon came back. Uh, two things were straightened out. There wasn't any more um, idol worship and the, taking care of the priests and the Levites um, pretty much was taken care of too. So that uh, that was being done again, um, but. When you fight for somebody, especially uh, the, the widows and the orphans, you were back then. You were fighting basically the priesthood and the rich people that weren't uh, weren't giving because a lot of times the priests were corrupt and they were, uh, you know, they were paid off by uh, by rich people in the cities and stuff like that to look the other way and, and their things like that. But anyway, that um, haven't been said. Uh, doesn't that happen nowadays? You know, doesn't that happen nowadays? Uh, to where people, even with farmers, a lot of farmers lose their land every year because of stupid taxes and um, and banking rules. You know, banks being too lenient, not showing grace towards the farmers. Um, and plus, you know, the banks foreclose on the, the farms nowadays. They sell it to Bill Gates, who buys it and the land lays idle, or it's planted with GMO crops. Um, so. A lot of times when you champion, that's the word I was looking for, when you champion for somebody, you have to fight. You have to come against powers that are stronger than you are or more influential than you are. And that's just on a small scale, on a civil scale in the cities, towns, farmlands, stuff like that. But, you know, as you go up up and up and up uh, in government, you know, you're getting from low government to high government and everybody's corrupt it seems so that being the case you have to fight against government okay now a lot of times you can do it legally you can do it in the courts um you know and get a judge to listen to you but nowadays a lot of judges are bought off so this country's in a big mess it really is and uh, i hope it gets straightened out but uh, so now you know when we move up the echelon here we're talking about um, presidents, and we're talking about congressmen and senators. We're talking about um, treasury, not treasury, um, 
they have a lot of secretarial offices like the secretary of war uh, excuse me secretary of defense uh secretary of the treasury you know you have the, that level uh then you have the um you got the the law enforcement you got the fbi um i wouldn't call the ca law enforcement since they break the law most of the time uh you got the nsa you know and um good job nsa you guys do a good job um i like to you backed up trump and uh and I, I know you're in the background working on a lot of stuff that you would rather not be working on, but you know that um, you know that you want the best for America. At least that's what I've been told. So anyway, so when you have a president or you have congressmen or senators and they're oppressing the people, now put this that oppressing the people, put the people in the same category as you put the old widow who owned a farm who is being foreclosed on, but somebody championed her, <clears throat> paid it off and everything else. But when you don't have somebody to champion and pay it off for you, you got to kind of do it yourself. Okay. And that might mean going down and protesting in front of a, a government office that they've been unfair, uh, protesting against this whole COVID thing, because that's out to kill people. That's a, that's a government attempt at genocide, basically. Um, it's nothing different than what Pol Pot did, what Stalin did, and all the other the Hitlers and everybody else that were out there. Just different tactics, but the the, the main um, objective is the same. So when you have people that are out to, to kill you, you can't sit around. And it's not just you, but I'm talking to the guys here, and maybe the mothers, the single mothers too, because you have to take care of your brood, Right. Um, but if your wife or your kids are in danger, guys, you know, any decent guy, and I know a lot of you are, uh, we don't just sit around. We do something about it to the best of our ability. I mean, sometimes things come to a head and you just can't do anything, but that's, if you're praying, man, a lot of times the Lord intervenes. Um, but here, I'll give you an example. We were attending a singles or men's uh, ministry, man, it was a long time ago, probably the early 90s. Yeah, probably, well, right around there. And um, somehow we got on the guns. <laughs> you know, guys get together and talk about cars and guns and a lot of other things. And Christian guys get together, you know, we throw in the Bible and stuff like that. We talk. But anyway. Um, we got on the guns, and one guy was vehemently set against guns. Didn't believe in them, didn't want people to have them. So a friend of mine, Eddie, Eddie Roper, lives down in California. Eddie, if you ever watch this, I miss you, and I love you, man. Um, he brought up a scenario to this guy. He says, okay, let's say that you come home one day, and there's a home invasion, and these guys break in, and your wife, they want to rape your wife. What do you do? He said, well, you know, he says, if they broke in to do that, it was probably God's will for them to do that. And if I were to intervene, you know, I would, you know, <laughs> I couldn't hear what I was. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And and Eddie became incensed. But um, and then, you know, it was brought up. Well, what if it was your daughter? You know, well, you know, if it's happening, then it's probably the will of God. <laughs> I, I was flabbergasted. I wanted to take the guy outside and beat him to an inch of his life. Uh, 
but you know, we, we were, we had to be respectful and everything and, but it was hard, but that's kind of the attitude I see in the church nowadays. All the government, you know, they, they're going to do what they're going to do and that's okay. You know, and it's our, it's, we're told in the Bible that we're not, we're supposed to um, obey all the authorities and stuff like that. And <laughs> Hey, if they're knocking down your door, are you going to obey? Or are you going to do something to protect your wife and kids or your mother or your father or whatever, you know, it's um, especially your mother and father. Cause you're, you're bound. Well, I mean, everybody, I mean, especially, but there's a commandment that you take care of your mother and father, but there are many instances where it says in scripture, you take care of your wife too. Cause don't forget the church is, the bride of Christ. Okay. And he takes care of us. So if he takes care of us, we take care of our wives and our kids. Um, that guy, I don't know whatever became of him. And I tell you the truth, I really don't care. Um, hopefully he, hopefully the Lord Yahweh sat him down and had a good talk with him and got him straightened out. Otherwise, man, if that was the woman that was going to marry that guy, <laughs> you know, I would, uh, I, I pity the woman that would, would try would you know, meet that guy and get married because she had no assurances that he would ever take care of her. Um, anyway, so you see what I'm talking about. We were duty bound to take care of those we love and our neighbors love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay. Um, actually you're supposed to love your neighbor. In my, my heart, you're supposed to love your neighbor more than you love yourself. Um, because that that's that proves true love. Everybody can love themselves, you know. But when you love somebody that lives next door to you, or you know, in your town, your little village, or whatever, um, you know, they they come in and they get harassed by some gang or something. You're going to go protect them, and that's the way it should be. And, and and hopefully someday, if you're ever harassed, they'll come and protect you. You build a camaraderie. And if you're not believers, soon they'll become believers because they'll see that, hey, that Christian didn't just sit on his hands while I was being attacked. He got up and helped. What about the, the story about the Good Samaritan? You know, the guy's traveling on the road. He gets beat to an inch of his life and thrown on the side of the road. Um, a priest walks by him and walks around him because he's a Samaritan. Oh, no, he's a Jew. I'm sorry. Um, but he's bloody and stuff. So oh, I'm not going to touch him because I'll be unclean. And... Uh, and then another righteous man walks by him and doesn't touch him. Well, the Samaritan comes along, uh, a race of people that the Jews really hated. And they didn't, they weren't very fond of Jews either. But he picks up the guy who's a Jew and puts him on his horse and takes him and then do a place where he's, you know, he, he says, here, I'm going to give you this money, take care of this guy uh, until he's well. And man, what a story that is. So, um, now, I wonder if the Samaritan would have come upon the scene when he was being beat up and what he would have done. I think he probably would have defended the guy. I really do. Because um, he had the love to take care of him when he saw he was beat up. So, anyway, we got in the way of time here. Wow, I've been babbling for almost 45 minutes. Okay, good. Um, I'm trying to kind of make up for not being here on on. On Monday, plus this is really a big on my heart because I've seen it a lot in churches and I've seen it a lot outside the church too in, in areas where, you know, neighborhoods where people it's like us four and no more. Uh, or, you know, yeah, I love you. Just stay over in your house and don't come over to my house. 
And, oh, man, I'll tell you. So, anyway, what I'd like to do now is um, play a couple of videos for you to show you that, um, first of all, the first video is going to be um, <laughs> Rand Paul. Hey, the brain's still working. Um, it's working at 10 to 12 in the, at in, to 12 at night. And, um, so it's going to be Rand Paul talking about, hey, it's time to start civil disobedience. It's time to start resisting. It's time to start saying, I've had enough of this, no more. Uh, and the second video is just um, a short one from uh, Europe showing how the Europeans uh, are really resisting against all this uh, COVID-19 stuff. You don't hear about it in the American press. Of course you don't because they're, you know, they're part of the problem, not the, uh, the solution. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So to do that, I got to do this. And I will make that a lot larger to keep the people that always complain that things aren't big enough um, to keep them around. <laughs> and uh, I understand that. I really do. A lot of times it can be put in a lot nicer terms, but some people, even when they try to put things in nice terms, cannot put them in nice terms. You can see the sarcasm and the uh, the armchair quarterbacking sort of on their their side. So, Okay, so let's go ahead and do this. Oops, wrong one. Um, I'm going to do this, start it off, and then make it bigger. It's time okay. for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed, although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed. Amen. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no. Not again. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the Capitol. President Biden, we will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And if you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, we will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mask mandates, part-time schools, or any lockdown measures. Children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. If a school system attempts to keep children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. Do I sound fed up to you? That's because I am. I'm not a career politician. I practiced medicine for 33 years. I graduated from Duke Medical School. I've worked in emergency rooms. I've studied immunology and virology. 
and I ultimately chose to become an eye surgeon. I've been telling everyone for a year now that Dr. Fauci and other public health bureaucrats were not following the science, and I've been proven right time and time again. But I'm not the only one who's fed up. I can't go anywhere these days without people coming up and thanking me for standing up for them, whether I'm at work or at events in Kentucky, at airports, in restaurants, or in stores. People thank me for taking a stand. They thank me for standing up for actual science, for standing up for freedom, for standing against mandates, lockdowns, and bureaucratic power grabs. I think the tide is turning as more and more people are willing to stand up. I see stories from across the country of parents standing up to the unions and school boards. I see brave moms standing up and saying, my kids need to go back to school in person. I see members of Congress refusing to comply with petty tyrant Pelosi. We are at a moment of truth and a crossroads. Will we allow these people to use fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy, and children? Or will we stand together and say, absolutely not, not this time, I choose freedom? Whoa. <laughs> okay, that was pretty good. I, we'll talk about it more after we... Uh, okay, this is the lockdown in... Um, lockdown protests across Europe. So hopefully there's no ads. COVID-19 pandemic and tempers across Europe seem to be fraying. Anger at lockdown measures and other restrictions has spilled out onto the streets. On Saturday alone, there were protests in Croatia, Sweden, Finland, Belgium, Poland, Austria and more. In the small Swiss town of Listal, almost half of the population turned out to denounce the partial lockdown that has been in place since mid-January. The people will this Bundesrat nicht mehr. The people do not want the government anymore. We want to, to go. They are violating human rights, the rights of our people. We want to live in a democratic uh, land. We want uh, our children be free and safe, not with the vaccine. Definitely not with the vaccine. And uh, we are um, not here for experimental uh, issues. Faced with rising infection rates, Germany has hinted it may reverse recent relaxations in restrictions. That didn't go over well with the over 20,000 protesters marching through the streets of the town of Kassel, where clashes broke out with police and multiple arrests were made. But the largest protests were seen in London. Despite the UK having the best vaccination rate in Europe and a roadmap out of the pandemic, thousands vented their anger at Boris Johnson's lockdown, which has been in place since just after Christmas, <laughs> resulting in clashes with police. Under current lockdown regulations, mass gatherings across Britain are not allowed. That includes protests, which are not listed as justifiable reasons for leaving home. But rights activists have demanded the government make an exception to the rule and allow what they call the human rights to protest peacefully. Smile directly. Wow, that's powerful. That is so powerful. They didn't want them to come out and protest. So they made laws so they couldn't come out and protest because it was dangerous, you know. Um, it's 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 ludicrous, you know. It's really it really is. 
it's it's no different than somebody you know making a law that you know you have to have all your money out of your pockets and in your hands at four o'clock in the afternoon outside your house, and then uh, when they get robbed from of their money, you know, oh well, you know, you shouldn't have had your money out, you know. Well, civil disobedience would say, you know, government, you know, I'm not going to listen to that law. <laughs> I'm going to go outside with my money. I'm not going outside at all. Um, anyway, it's just. It's crazy. It really is. It's there, it's a total clampdown. It's a total um, violation of our rights as well here in the states as rights as um, Americans. Uh, but you know, like I said, this country uh, was founded in such a way that other countries wanted to mimic it, or in some way want to mimic it. And part of that's with human rights. Um, a big part of it's with human rights. They they been to America or they've seen America and they see what uh, freedom really is. And believe me, if you go to, I've got a friend in Denmark, you know, um, not a family member, but a friend. And she, um, she says, yeah, she says, we don't like it. You know, our taxes are 45%, 45 to 49% in Denmark. And that's the pay for all the social health programs and everything that they have there. And it pays people to stay home from work. It, you know, it's just crazy. And and they don't like it. Canada, people in Canada will tell you the same thing. If they're conservative, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, we, we pay all this money for socialized medicine, but we can't get in to see a doctor. That's why we come to the States. And since COVID started, they can't get to the States. So um, although I heard that that might change really soon and Canadians will be able to come down here as long as they've had their passport. Uh, sorry, I do the little quotation marks with my fingers. And you notice that And when I first started that, I was going like this, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Now I'm like this. <laughs> the fingers just going violently. Um, so uh, now, so the question comes up, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to throw uh, a lot of Christianity into this tonight, although I know that a lot of our audience is, but I want to also um, part of me has to talk about um, the church, like I was talking about earlier, and how the church says, oh, you have to follow the government, you have to support the government, you have to do what they say. My goodness, that, that led to things like the Holocaust. It, you know, the good German would say, oh, well, if the government says it, I'm going to do it. Of course, you know, we had we had a society built on the words of Martin Luther, who was, you know, all the, other than a reformist, he was a, a rabid anti-Semite. I mean, rabid. You should read some of what things. He, maybe we ought to do a show on that. Yeah, I think I'll do a show on that. Martin Luther. Oof. I mean, I like some of the songs that he made up, you know, uh, and stuff like that. But um, the 95 Thesis, I really like. But the problem is that he didn't want to start a new religion. He wanted to reform Catholicism, and that's like reforming Washington. <laughs> you know, no, you start a new government. <laughs> you don't try to reform what's up there because what's up there is a bunch of snakes, asps, and uh, uh, everything that you think of that can sting a human being or bite a human being and kill him. Uh, no, you don't try to reform those people. You, you start something new that doesn't have those people in it. And that was Martin Luther's mistake. Um, but you know, we can do about that. Nothing. Uh, anyway, uh, so the, I found this nice little thing and I'm going to give credit where credit's due, of course. Um, 
and you can't see this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it because I'm afraid if I put it up there, I'm going to get emails from people saying, oh, you didn't make it large enough. My reply to that is, hey, if you can't read it and I've made it as big as I can, go get a bigger computer screen. Um, I got a 31-inch here. They're cheap now these days. I think I picked it up for $140. You know, actually, my wife bought it for me for, I think, my birthday last this year. And, um, man, I could see everything. <laughs> it's like... I can see the nose hairs in people when I look at pictures on them. Uh, it's 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 amazing. I, I highly recommend that you get something like this. Anyway, it's um, this is from the Trenches World Report. It's uh, and that's the name of the the website from the TrenchesWorldReport.com. It's okay. We gave them credit for the article. It's a very good article, by the way. And so the question is asked: um, Should we obey authority no matter what? Because that's supposedly what Paul said. But when we go through this, you're going to realize that Paul's wordage is not that. It's, uh, well, you'll see. Um, so we see articles like, um, okay, there's an article, and I'm not going to go to it. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security is coordinating with Christian ministers nationwide so that if the government imposes martial law, the ministers will urge their flocks to obey the government. <laughs> okay, who are you serving? Are you serving your flock? Are you, are you serving God and tending your flock? Or are you serving the government and um, selling your flock out, basically? Um, you see, a number of Christian leaders say that Christians must obey the government no matter what. For example, Robert Diffenbaugh, pastor at Community Bible Chapel in Richardson, Texas, says, whether the government be totalitarian or de democratic, the Christian's obligation is to submit to it the same. Ooh. Well, if you remember his church, get out of it right now. You know, these are the kind of people that when the government takes over, they're going to they're going to have a list of people that are real Christians in their churches and they're going to sell it to the government. And boy, um, get out of it now while you can. OK. It goes on. This is not an unrealistic or abstract abstract concept. After all, most churches in Nazi era Germany supported the Nazis. The German clergy used the same rationale to support Hitler that many American churches are using to demand obedience, uh, obedience to authority. Uh, Romans 13. The German Christians were, and I don't know if this is a quote or not. The German Christians were strongly nationalistic and adopted respect for state authority. This respect, or excuse me, this passage in Romans 13 was often cited as proof of correlation between a church and state. And that passage says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that, are, those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, he who resists the authorities resists resists that which God has appointed and those who will resist and those who resist will incur judgment. I'll tell you folks, if the founding fathers would have followed this advice, we'd still be um, under the, uh, the monarchy of England with all their arcane laws. And uh, I think England is more free now because of the United States uh, than uh, before the United States exist, existed, and, and they're free because they've seen the United States and what freedom can do. Uh, otherwise, you know, we 
we'd be taxed. We were being taxed to death back in the um, 1770s. Um, and it was a very tyrannical government of King George. Okay. I will continue. German church leaders even criticized Christians for disobeying what the government, disobeying their government authorities by protecting Jewish refugees by hiding them in, in their homes. Wow. Um, and Hitler shows how tyrannical leaders, excuse me, tyrannical rulers view those who obey a demand with a, for obedience. He ridiculed German Christians behind their backs for being so submissive in obeying the Nazis. Okay. So everybody decides to send me email this hour, I guess. Okay, and here's a quote. The Protestants have the faintest conception of a church. You can do anything you like with them. They will submit. These pastors are used to, to uh, these pastors are used to cares and worries. They learn them from their squires. They're insignificant little people, submissive as dogs, and they sweat with embarrassment when you talk to them. Yeah, see, Hitler thought a lot about the church, right? If I hear one more time, Hitler was a Christian. Jeez. Okay, the Bible urges us to challenge, not obey bad government. In reality, Christian and Jewish leaders throughout history have explained that we must disobey tyrannical governments. The book of Maccabees, an ancient Jewish book purporting to docu- purport to document the uh, events of which Hanukkah celebrates, apparently says, resistance to tyranny is, diso- is, is obedience to God. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Thomas Jefferson agreed. And there's a link to something I guess Jefferson said. Um, Gordon Runyon, pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, points out numerous instances in the Bible of men and women who disobeyed their government rulers and were rewarded by God and praised as holy. Indeed, the Bible mentions justice more than any other topic. The Bible demands that we do justice and to stand up to anyone, including the rich and powerful, who do injustice to oppress people. See, that's what I was talking about earlier. Um, oppressing the widow and the orphan and the, and the um, foreigners with you. Um, indeed, the Bible mentions just as, okay, I read that already. Baptist minister Chuck Baldwin writes, uh, did John the Baptist violate God's principle of submission to authority when he publicly scolded King Herod for his infidelity? Did Simon Peter and the other apostles violate God's principle of submission to authority when they refused to stop preaching on the streets of Jerusalem? Did Paul violate God's principle of submission to authority when he refused to obey those authorities who demanded that he abandon his missionary work? In fact, Paul spent almost, almost as much time in jail as he did out of jail. That's true. <laughs> um, remember that every apostle except John was killed by hostile civil authorities who opposed opposed to their endeavors. Christians throughout church history were imprisoned, tortured, or killed by civil authorities of all stripes, refusing to submit to their various laws and prohibitions. Did all these Christian martyrs um, violate God's principle of submission to authority? So even the great prophets, apostles, and writers of the Bible, including the writer of Romans 13, understood that human authority, even civil authority, is limited. 
Plus, Paul makes it clear that our submission to civil authority must be predicated on more than the fear of government retaliation. Notice he said, wherefore, ye, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake, meaning of meaning our obedience to civil authority is more than just because they said so. It's a matter of conscience. This means we must think and reason for ourselves regarding the justness and righteousness of our government laws. Obedience is not automatic or robotic. It is a result of both rational deliberation and moral uh, appropriation. Therefore, there are times when the civil authority may may need to be resisted, either government abuse or power of violation of conscience or both could be precipitate could precipitate civil disobedience. There you go. You have to take this shot or else we're going to arrest you. Oh, well, I hope you have good meals in jail. Baldwin also notes that Romans 13 teaches that any government that is a terror to good works is acting beyond its authority and must be resisted. Therefore, Romans 13 compels us to resist and to remove from power all elements of government which are corrupt. Reverend Reverend Howard Bates writes, As modern New Testament scholars have uh, reconstructed the context in which Jesus lived and taught, they have realized that Jesus was uh, not simply a religious figure. He was a severe critic of those who controlled the temple, those who controlled the empire, and those who controlled the economic system that starved and robbed the poor and left the orphan and the widow to fend for themselves. See what I mean? To Jesus, these issues were all tied together. And another one is children. When they start saying that you have to do stuff to children, you know, like give them a shot that might kill them. Okay, getting back to the article. <clears throat> he advanced uh, overthrow of the corrupt system. He believed that the days of the oppressors were numbered, but he also believed the overthrow could be accomplished by love, mercy, and kindness. Family Garden Ministry notes, the entire basis of the Reformation was that, that of disobedience to the governing authority of Rome, the popes, and the emperor, who both demanded submission to the Roman Catholic Church um, as a religious and political establishment of God's kingdom on earth. When it was demanded of Martin Luther um, of the Diet of Worms, and it really was, it's called Worms, folks. It was a place in Germany. To recant recant of his opposition to papal authority, his response was as follows. Unless I am refuted and convicted by testimonies of the scripture by, or by clear arguments, I am conquered by the holy scriptures quoted by me, and my conscience is bound in the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is unsafe and dangerous to do anything against my conscience. Here I stand. God help me. Amen. And this is in the Christian church. It says, see Philip Schaff, History of the Christian Church. Okay, Luther's courageous stand against tyranny literally set off a spark that would eventually ignite the Protestant Reformation, as stated by church historian Philip Schaff. He says, Luther's testimony before the Diet 
is an event of world historical importance for, for of excuse me and for a far-reaching effect. It opened an intellectual conflict which is still going on in the civilized world. He stood there as a fearless champion of the supremacy of the word of God over the traditions of men and of the liberty of conscience over the tyranny of authority. When tradition becomes a wall around freedom, when authority degenerates into tyranny, the very blessing is turned into a curse and the history is threatened with stagnation and death. As uh, at such a rare, at such rare junctures, Providence raises those pioneers of progress who have the intellectual and moral courage to break through the restraints at the risk of their lives and to open new paths of the onward march of history. Conscience is the voice of God in man. Okay. The principle of primacy of the scripture bound conscience over human tradition, whether it is magisterial or ecclesiastical, uh, resounds throughout the writings of the most prominent Protestant leaders whom God raised up to defend the faith after Luther. Now, one of these great men interpreted Romans 13, 1 through 7 in a way, in the way it is so interpreted today. And that should be sufficient reason to at least reconsider um, what is so commonly taught from the modern pulpit of the subject of civil disobedience and civil obedience and disobedience without succumbing to the ex- error of trans uh, traditionalism. We are nevertheless to look upon the views of godly men of times past with respect. John Calvin. Uh Oh, I respect John Calvin. I know some of you might not. Um, John Calvin known even by many of his theological opponents as the Prince of Exegetes, um, advanced the same position with regard to civil disobedience prior previously set forth by Luther. His conclusion, he concludes his exhortation uh, to Christians to submit to authorities who have been placed by God over them with the following qualifications. Um, But in that obedience, he says, but in that obedience, we hold to be due to command of rulers. We must always make uh, the exception, nay, uh, must be particularly careful that it is not incompatible with obedience to him uh, to whose will the wishes of all kings should be subject, uh, to whose decrees their commands must uh, yield, to whose majesty their scepters must bow. And indeed, how preposterous were it um, in pleasing men to incur the offense of him who for for the, whose sake you obey men. Okay. Anyway, you can kind of get the idea of what they're saying here, but I want to go down and cause it goes into, has Romans been mistranslated? Okay. Cause I know that's, what's going to come up. Oh, well, you know, you're mistranslating Romans, that scripture in Romans. Um, but there's a, an argument against that. I'm sorry I'm having a hard time reading this, folks, but the the, the type that's being used is very small, and um, it's a type that's not easy to read. And because uh, I'm usually a pretty good reader, but uh, I don't know some for some reason tonight. Um, 
this uh, the color of the page and the I think it was a white page with black letters, but it's kind of like a tan page with brown letters. So um, anyway, has Romans mistranslated? Runyon argues that Romans may have been mistranslated. Every person is to submit to government authorities. Uh, the word translated governing there in the ESV is the Greek word hupereko. Um, it means to excel, to be superior, or better than to surpass. The King James Version at that place is, uh, at this place has higher power, which uh, makes room for the idea of being better than something else. You ever had it when you were uh, when you were a kid and you did something, you tried to use your friends as an example. Your parents go, "I raised you better than that." You know, you know better than that. I taught you better than that. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the reason is that. The reason this is of some interest is that Hooper, Hooper Echo appears four other times in the New Testament. Once it is in 1 Peter 2.13, in that letter's passage about civil government. Uh, the majority of uses occur, however, <clears throat> excuse me, in Philippians, where Paul uses it three times, um, at 2.3, 3, 8, and 4, 7, those are the verses in Philippians, uh, these are quoted below for ease of understanding. I put English words in all caps, um, which are to be rendered, which are to be renderings as Hupercaro. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambitions or conceit, but in humility, uh, count others more significant than yourselves. <clears throat> uh, Philippians 3, 8, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of surpassing worth, the word surpassing, of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered uh, the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may attain, that I may gain Christ. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds um, in Christ Jesus. That's funny. I think in uh, King James says, until the day of Christ Jesus. Anyway, as you can see, the Greek word means that which is morally better or excellent or weighty. In these places, modern English translations usually have some combination of important, significant, or surpassing to translate Hupercaro. Uh, the King James Version has better excellency and passeth as in going beyond or surpassing in the Philippian text. So again, hooray for the King James Version. Um, all this is simply meant to show that Hooper Carroll may legitimately refer to moral excellence and does not, and does in fact, in most of the New Testament appearances, <clears throat> the modern use of surpassing in the Philippians passage is a, moral, is a moral surpassing. It is being better, rising above, doing well. So that when Romans 13.1 enjoins subjection to the Hooper Carroll powers, it's not out of the question that this could be referring to surpassing morality. On this idea, Wilson writes, hence some expositors have been disposed to lay no little stress upon the epithet um, as uh, directly defining the character of the powers here intended and as limiting to such a subjection here enjoined. The excelling powers, that is, powers possessing a due measure of the qualifications 
requisite, requisite uh, to the rightful exercise of the power of civil rule. Um, it says page 11, the establishment of limits of current government. Some have suggested that to put governing instead of higher or excelling is for Hupacaro is this in this place is really more of an interpretation and a word word for word transla, uh, translation. We're almost there, folks. Uh, similarly, Family Guardian Ministry argues it should be noted that most translations, uh, most modern translations, the New King James Version include included, have erroneously rendered the Greek phrase exuius hupercosuius, literally authorities above, as um, governing authorities rather than higher power as it appears in the older King James Version. Wow. So basically that scripture is telling you to, that you're supposed to be better than them, that you're supposed to act better than them. And um, if they're tyrannical, in other words, you're supposed to act morally superior. Um, it's not telling you you're supposed to subject yourselves to them. That would be counterproductive and it would be coming with, becoming what they are, you know, um, Again, my mother, hey, if everybody jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you? You know, if all your friends jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you? No, I wouldn't. You know, uh, my mother was very wise when it came to things like that. And she also told me to be a leader and not a follower when, in that regard, you know. Um, so, like I said, she has a lot of wisdom and has for many years. Uh, so it's telling us that if these guys are in, Basically, to sum it up, if these guys are placed there and, and they're good people, then you're supposed to follow them. If they're not, you're supposed to be morally superior and better than they are. And that can go one of two ways. You know, you can act, you can either um, re replace them in some way and, and be better than them or, um, uh, I don't know, or fight them or something like that. You know, it's... And to instill a, a, a more just form of government, basically. And that's what the founding fathers did in 1776. Um, you know, it just cracks me up a lot of, in churches, you know. Well, you know, you got to submit to the authorities. Well, Yeshua didn't do it. He did it to some degree. He was kind of, considering he was the son of God, he was kind of very respectful, <laughs> you know. Um, and... You know, giving that, you know, he could have called down angels to destroy everything. You know, I think he was uh, quite gracious, <laughs> even though he called them whitewashed tombs and uh, full of dead man's bones and uh, vipers and, and things like that. He got the message across and they got it, too. And they understood what he was saying. This is a very good article. So, uh, again, it's from the, oh, man, it's one of those long uh from the Trenches World Report. That's it. It's all one word. It's forward slash resistance dash two dash tyranny dash is dash obedience dash two dash God forward slash one two eight two oh two. That's the exact uh, address to get to it. So to the guys from the from the um, the website from the Trenches World Report. Thank you very much. The uh, this article was very revealing and. Um, and it touched my heart. I hope it touches the heart of uh, the delusion resistance listeners and, and watchers. So anyway. Okay, folks. So 
what do we do now? Okay. Uh, let's say they come to your, let's say they send a letter out telling you that you need to get vaccinated. You're going to receive a letter from the, um, or you're going to see, receive a visit <clears throat> from um, the, the vaccine police, let's call them. You know, uh, what do you do? Uh, you can choose not to be home that day when they come. Um, I don't know. It's all according to what they do when they get here. You know, I'll treat anybody with respect if they, you know, if they come in and they're, they're halfway decent and they treat me that way. Um, what if they come in the middle of the night and they pull you out of bed? Well, if you're not armed, there's very little you can do. <clears throat> we had this talk a long time ago, me and Jim Wilhelmson. We had a radio show about it, too, years ago. And um, it's what do you do, you know? And uh, we came to the assumption that there's going to be basically three kinds of people. Let's see if I can remember it correctly. One group is going to head to the hills and fight, okay? Another group is going to, um, oh, what was it? I know two of the groups. One of them is going to, you know, acquiesce and and you know just be peaceful and try to minister in that in that way. And the uh, the other, oh yeah, the ones that, that head to the hills, they're basically escape. And then there's going to people that stay and fight. Um, that's going to be the three scenarios that happen. Actually, there's going to be four. There's going to be people that give in and basically turn uh, turn traitors to the cause to the faith. And uh, basically turn in their their friends, families, and everybody else. Scripture says that's going to happen anyway. So um, in the end days, and it's starting to happen now. You got <laughs> you got people turning people in for not wearing masks at stores. You got people turning stores in for not making people wear masks. You know, it's um, I don't know. We've got a, a troublemaker that lives across the street, and um, and when the mask thing was in effect. Um, you know, I could say it now because it's, it's over with, but, you know, nobody wore masks going in there. Um, a lot of us would take masks with us and kind of, you know, keep them just loosely around our, our chin, you know, on the face, but below the chin so you could breathe. And we walked in there figuring that she probably couldn't see that far to, you know, to see if we were actually wearing the mask above our nose and mouth. But, um, you know, there was talk that she, you know, she was probably watching and, uh, I know she said she has it in for several of us in the neighborhood. I think she's a Wiccan actually, and uh, or a, sa a satanic worshiper. And uh, judging by some of her email names, I found it online. Um, she's not on our side. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, live and let live as long as she leaves me alone. You know, and I would pray for her all the time. Um, but uh, you know, it could go either way with this woman. You know, she's she's wicked and evil. And um, anyway. So, you know, what do you do in a case like that? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to bother her. You know, I'm not going to stir that up, to tell you the truth. That's that's a fight I've given over to Yahweh. You know, you fight that. This is a spiritual thing, you know, with her. And it's like, you know, you got two kingdoms opposed to one another living right across the highway from each other. <laughs> you know, you got the kingdom of God in my house. And as a matter of fact, the kingdom of God's right next door to that woman, too. So, um you know, I'm sure it's a spiritual thing. And um, so the spiritual things I give to Yahweh and let him take care of. So that, I feel that's important. And that's uh, he's much better at fighting than I am. So um, 
there's a bunch of different scenarios myself. Um, I, you know, we, we have guns here. I don't know if I'd ever use them. You know, that that's a decision you make at the time. You know, um, if they come in and they're going to kill us, well, <laughs> you know, um, I'm definitely going to not let them do that without sending a few of them to hell. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to try to resolve it without that, you know. Uh, try to let clearer heads prevail, so to speak. It's all according on. It's all according to. Well, you know, we're going to pray a lot too, of course. Um, I've often said that when something like that happens, I'm going to I'm going to have an altar call right there. You know, hey guys, you know, we follow Yeshua, and you're obviously not following Yeshua, but you know, if you want peace and you want eternal life, you might want to listen to what I have to say. You know, and and you know, just take it for what it's worth and hope that that works. Um, but, you know, ultimately, what you say you're going to do and what you actually do are two different things. I know that I've said a lot of times I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, but I end up doing something else because during that time, um, Yahweh speaks to your heart and tells you what he wants you to do. And uh, I've learned that fighting against them is a foolish thing. I've only done it once. And... Uh, Never did it again. So, you know, I try to listen with a clear head and, and a, you know, a pure heart and, and to see what he wants me to do. So, and no, I don't hear his voice in my head, you know. Um, I don't hear voices in my head. I, he speaks in a still small voice that only Christians can understand. Sorry. If you don't, if you don't partake in him, you don't know how he works. So, um, anyway, so, yeah. Uh, we're not preppers. We're not those kind of people that are going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to form a militia, nor am I going to join one. But if my neighbors are being attacked or if I'm being attacked, hey, I'm duty bound to protect my neighbors and um, and for them to protect me and, and my family and for me to protect them and their families. So, um, you know, it could be in my lifetime that this never comes about. You know, but uh, I learned from studying the uh, the five foolish versions and the five wise versions that had uh, oil in their lamps that it's a good idea to keep oil in your lamp. Okay, and I know that speaks of a spiritual thing, but you know, there's there's a way to turn it into a life uh, application metaphor. You know, um, be ready. Uh, even Yeshua said, "Be ready," because the person. Uh, had the master of the house known when the, the thief was going to come in, you know, things would have been different uh, or could be different. So uh, I like the the law in this county. I like the, the law people down in um, Sweet Home, uh, all of Lynn County, actually. Um, and I respect them. And uh I know those guys have a hard job to do. You know, nowadays they're being called upon to do things that they really don't want to do. But, you know, they think that they're they've taken an oath and that by obeying a command um, that they're doing the will of God and that they're they're defending the Constitution of the United States. And many of them do. Uh, But some of them don't understand what an oath is and are keeping an oath. So, um Again, that's a situational thing and a thing you got to pray about. So, uh, but the reason we moved to this county is because the sheriff, uh, his last name is Jan, said, uh, 
actually, there's another sheriff that was a sheriff at that time, but this, the, the current sheriff's the same way, said that if there, he was ever ordered to take away guns, he wouldn't do that. He disobeyed the order. Uh, you got to understand that a sheriff of a county uh, supersedes and overrides every other police force in that county, except for maybe the state police. And that's where we have a problem in Oregon, but I digress. I won't go into that whole subject. I just say, remember Lavoie Finnicum. And you can uh, kind of get my drift by looking up Lavoie Finnicum. Um, so, yeah. So all I got to say is that nowadays, you know, have some food in your house. We went to um, Costco and picked up some freeze-dried food. Uh, and, you know, about uh, about 20 gallons of water to mix the food with, you know, just in case the power gets shut off. Because in crisis, a lot of times that's what happens. They'll shut a town off or something or, or you know, the people that are operating the plant can't make it to work. You know, there's a lot of things that happen. But, um, yes, yeah, so we got food and water. We, we have guns and ammunition. And, you know. Guns are not only for always for self-protection either. You know, you can use them for hunting. Uh, when all when everything falls apart, I, I doubt that the game warden is going to be out arresting people for for uh, shooting deer uh, out of season. But you know, um, we our community is kind of unique because we have hunters here, lots of hunters. We have we live in a farming community, so we have farms, and so you know we we've got all the food and stuff that we need. <laughs> Um, and, and I know the people around here, they would share it, you know, and we would share with them too. We have fruit trees on our property. So, you know, during that season, we'd be able to share the fruit with them. And, and, um, it doesn't hurt if you have a skill either. Um, I've done electrical work. I've, I was a plumber pipe fitter for about 10 years. Um, so I've got some skills I can draw back on, you know, uh, whatever you're good at, you know, if you're a woman and you're good at canning. Um, or, you know, a lot of women are, are really good at mechanical stuff too. When it comes to, I've known women that can fix cars and know women that are great at shooting. Um, I know women that, um, I've known women, I should say that, um, you know, are, are proficient when it comes to electrical and plumbing and, and carpentry. Um, so, you know, the, don't just count on the guys. The women are going to be of vital importance when this comes to um, some women are good at taking care of children. You know, uh, that's their love, their passion in life. They'd rather be taking care of children than doing anything else. And heck, you know, when, when everybody's out, you know, doing stuff with hunting or farming and stuff like that, those those women are maybe even men, too, will, will be drawn into uh, that job. You know, so everybody's got an importance. Everybody's got a worth. And we got to remember that. Um, so if you've got a skill, you st- better hone up on it a little bit. So that when things happen, you can uh, you can be uh, uh, an advantage to your community. And uh, so I think that's really important. But um, heck, I mean, even if you mow lawns, for goodness sakes, you know, that would be a service to everybody at that time. I mean, it would probably be one of the back thing on the back burner. But, you know, what the heck? It's going to need to be done. Um, so. Anyway, um so just kind of pray about things and find out what the Lord wants you to do. Um, I just feel called to, you know, store up some ammunition and some rifles and 
if anything, just to be able to provide food for my neighbors and my family, you know? So, um, well, I guess I've pretty well used up the time that I, I've gone way past what I wanted to do. So, um, I just want to thank you. Um, sorry again for Monday night, but, um, sometimes you just don't feel well and you, you can't get in there to do the show. So, and Brian had to work late that night. So, uh, he wasn't going to be there. So, um, anyway, we're steadfast on doing shows on Monday night, but it just didn't work out last Monday. And I apologize for that. Um, I know that a lot of people are expecting a show, uh, especially the listeners, the audio people. Um, I usually have a show posted by midnight on uh, Spreaker and on Pod, Pod, Podbean. That's what it is. And there wasn't one there, but there was one from the night before. I did a show on uh, Sunday night. So um, hopefully that made up for for not having one on uh, Monday Monday evening. But um, so, folks, uh, in the name of Yeshua, I say live long and prosper. And the only way you can do that is if you know him. Um uh, especially the prospering part. And I'm not talking about riches or anything. I'm talking about having a good life, uh, a content life where you, you know where you're going at the end of your life and uh, where you can just prosper in spiritual ways and in uh, immoral and ethical ways too here on earth. So, um, and again, you know, Brian and I are both available. Just go to the delusion resistance and um, find our, uh, well, find the, mailing uh, link it's right there on the front page and you know if you wanted to go to brian just write a message for brian and i won't even read it i'll just forward it right to brian um or if you want to you can talk to either one of us you know if you want to know more about what we believe um what our thoughts are on a certain subject matter of fact if you wanted to get with us let us know what certain subjects you'd like us to talk about um that would be really fun and uh that way you know we get the we work on it and you work on it, you know, you throw stuff out there and, you know, it, I think it's pretty good. Um, so anyway, I'm rambling again. So folks have a blessed day um, have, or actually have a blessed day tomorrow. Um, have a uh, blessed week. See today's, well, now it's Thursday. So have a good weekend. Yeah. Blessed weekend. And uh, Hey, you know, take advantage of the summer while it's here, get out and do stuff. And, uh, and may I follow my own advice. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's been a pleasure being with, here, with you here tonight. And uh, I know that um, good things will come out of what was said tonight. So with that, I bid you fair adieu. And uh, if, we don't, if I don't see you before, then see you Monday night. Okay? Goodbye, folks. Love you guys.